Hey fam, it's me, Cody Lane Oliver, co-creator of Black Love and proud Howard grad. I'm just popping in to say thank you so much for listening and to share a little something that our friends at Target are doing to help uplift the next generation of Black talent. Target is teaming up with HBCUs to create Target's HBCU Design Challenge, where students submit designs to be included in Target's Black History Month collection. Plus, winners also receive a cash prize, equipment, mentoring, and networking opportunities. Make sure you check back during Black History Month to see all of the winner's designs that will be featured in Target's 2022 Black History Month collection. Celebrate your legacy, invest in the future. Together, we are Black Beyond Measure. Visit Target.com slash Black Beyond Measure to learn more about Target's commitment to HBCUs. Welcome to My New BFF, a part of the Black Love Podcast Network. I am Cody Elaine Oliver mama, wife, and co-creator of Black Love. And today I am so excited to talk to my friends who actually have not met one another, but have shared experiences. Portia, my beautiful, amazing line sister and friend from Howard University. And Felicia, you know, she went to Hampton. Um, No, but she went to Hampton and Howard. So she gets all the love. Miss Felicia Gangolf Bailey, who is also a Black Love season four and co-host of soul affirmations podcast on the black love podcast network and an author we can chat about that too (laughs) um so both of these ladies are near and dear to me they are wives they are mamas and they are also both angel parents um i want to set some intentions here and one as you guys know i just i wanted you two to talk because that's like i've always talked to you about each other and i wanted to highlight and honor you and how much I love you and how grateful I am for you all. But also it is um, pregnancy and infant loss awareness month. And so what I hope is that we can have a conversation that can be healing to those who've experienced the loss, as well as um, those who hope to support their loved ones going through it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that has been my side of this journey. And so I, yeah, I just want to set that intention and talk a little bit about each of you and just how much I love you. As I mentioned, Portia, we met at Howard and we crossed, uh, we became ladies of Alpha Kappa Alpha our spring semester senior year. And I always credit our beautiful organization with like you. I would not know Mm -hmm. you if that hadn't happened. It, It, I cry just thinking about like, can you imagine if if we didn't if we didn't have that experience the last semester of college? Oh. <laughs> um, and so I just love you so much. Um, <laughs> and Felicia, Felicia, we met through the experience of Black Love. Yeah. Um, I I stalked your husband online, mm-hmm. and we were he and I were in the DMs, and then <laughs> you, you all sat down with me for an interview. So I'm going to do a little bit of over-talking in the beginning. I swear that I'll hand it over. <laughs> but, I, you know, Black Love, me, my new BFF, I'm all about love. So I would love to know from each of you, who has taught you the most about love in your lives? Ooh. I think that's such, Felicia here, <laughs> I think that is such a, a beautiful question. And I can only answer it from where I am presently, it's, I think, difficult to kind of reflect over time and try and pinpoint that particular moment or who was and where we were at. And, you know, 
But when you ask me, admittedly, I cannot understand love the way that I do without Kamayu. Mm-hmm. And Cody knows, Portia knows, Kamayu is my firstborn who came to this world September 30th, 2019. And she also left the very same day. It is an experience that I, I wouldn't wish on anyone because it, it comes with heartbreak, but it also has taught me so much about this deep love that I found in grief. Grief is not a place that prior to this experience, I would say I would look for love there. Nobody wants to look for love and grief. That does not feel good. It's so uncomfortable, but mm-hmm. the, the depths of the, the emptiness that I felt and my desire to want to have my child and recognizing that I was still her mother is what led me to understand that what I was feeling and how I just could not be okay with what happened, that this was love for me. What I was feeling was love. P? I'd have to echo Felicia in terms of saying my firstborn, my son, Josiah, hands down. Um, I mean, Cody and I, we've talked about this. When I met Cody, she talked about all the time, I want to be a mom. I want to be a mom. I want to have a family. And that wasn't me. I was like, I want my career. I want my career. I want my career. And I never saw myself as like having a hyper focus on being a mother until I, I, um, my husband and I were pregnant with Josiah right after we got married. And I was four months pregnant and I started writing to him because I wanted him to know who I was and I wanted him to like feel a connection and know what was going on in the world. And from there, I started building my bond with him at four months old in my womb. So um, obviously, you know, once he was here, it was, it was just magical. It was love. I was intentionally present the entire time that he was here, which I'm so grateful for. And then with his transition, the love continues. It has expanded. It looks different, but I, I get to choose to how I'm going to like have that love manifest, um, even though he's not here in the physical. So I'm still learning um, and trying to figure out what and how that looks. Um, mm-hmm. And even like introducing a way for my second son, Phoenix, to love him and making mm-hmm. sure that there's love between them, even though they haven't physically met. So for sure, I'd have to say it, it, it's been Josiah. Mm-hmm. I, love, I love that. I love, you know, I love hearing from you too, period. So I'm, I'm biased, but um, <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about my journey through you, through the two of you. So in January, 2019, Josiah was seven and a half months and you texted me and, and our friend Timby at the same time and let us know that he had passed. And, bef- and I didn't know, we didn't know anything was going, we know we didn't know what was going on prior to that. I was sitting in my living room. I remember mm-hmm. it being late. You know, we're, you're three hours ahead. You're in New York. I'm in LA. And um, I had the twins that were, I think, three months at that point, and Tommy sitting there. I felt obviously heartbroken for you and Terry and, and lost, not knowing anything at that time. And I, and I felt helpless, I would say is the word, 
immediately, Portia is literally one of my favorite people. Like, I don't want nobody to like hurt Portia in any way. <laughs> like, she's just the kindest, sweetest. So, so, you know, if that paints a picture of like, not just the natural, normal, like pain one might expect, but like not Porsche, like, mm-hmm. so I felt helpless and I felt, I had a lot of confusion around like, why do I have these children sitting here and this wonderful woman that I love doesn't, right? And that's what I carried for a while. And I, and all I could think was like, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? And obviously nothing. Like I, I, I can't repair what was lost, but all I constantly just was like, what can I do? And eventually I realized that my voice, my talent, my gift, my ability is through black love. And I got my heart set on, I want to, I want to find couples that had experienced um, what my friend experienced so that Mm -hmm. hopefully I can, I can Mm -hmm. find voices that she can look to because I, I, I ain't it. I'm lost. I'm trying to just figure out how to be supportive. And I, I, I would say it probably became a bit of an obsession just because that's how I wanted to, I thought I could fill that hole um, for me. And I was aware, having talked to couples in the past, that it can be heavy on your marriage, right, to, to lose a child. And all I could think was like, Portia and Terry, like you and Kariga, have been together for many years wow. before having your first. And I'm like, how can I be any kind of help here? And so through that, and just, you know, looking at people's experiences, many, many months later, I start to see Kariga sharing after the loss of Kamayu, after Kamayu was, was born and transitioned. And it was not even a thought. I wasn't thinking about interviewing you guys. It was just, you know, my heart, you know, I didn't know you. Mm-hmm. Um, so my heart just wanted to follow your journey and, and do whatever I could. But Kariga was so vulnerable on social media, which is like not common for <laughs> for men, for black men. Like it was just, it was beautiful to see the way that you all were loved. I felt like I could see how loved you two were through him sharing literally his homies with their hands on mm-hmm. covering him. Like mm-hmm. I remember that image so vividly. And so I don't know how he and I started talking in the DMs, but we did. I know. (laughs) And by um, March, February, March, when we started doing interviews, um, something was like, let me just ask him. Like, let me just ask him. And I asked Kariga in the DMs, like, would you guys be willing to talk to Black Love? Right. And he was like, we over here filling out the uh, application right now. (laughs) Everybody Mm -hmm. sent it. They were like, call for it. (laughs) And I mean, that. That to me was like, I already loved you guys from afar, but it's like, we just, from that point on, it was like, oh, I can't wait to meet them. I can't, you know, my experience of being on the outside, but trying to just find a way to show Portia and Terry love brought me to you two. And, and, and so I was so nervous going into our conversation and you all were just so vulnerable and so amazing. So I say a lot, I say that to say, I'm so, so grateful for your vulnerability because it helped me to hopefully 
give something to to my friend and her husband. And I and I'm also so grateful that now you all can can speak and interact and and know each other and and I'm always sharing from each of you to the other. So I'm I'm curious curious what has been for you all the most enlightening or healing parts of your journey. What it that could be what conversations with people, what books, what interactions, what epiphanies have given you any light? This is Felicia. I want to jump in and answer this question. But before answering it, I want to acknowledge for the first time that I heard from another mother who did the exact same thing that I did. Portia started writing at four months and she was already building the connection. And that's exactly what I did. And I didn't want to initially, not that I had like major resistance to it, but my dad had suggested that I start writing a journal to my baby at the time. I didn't have a name and my dad has been this person that always just has a suggestion and have not having had the lived experience, which is a great thing, right? Because it was a great suggestion, but as his daughter, I was just like, what the heck? But I did. And I'm so glad that I did because it created this uh, exercise, if you will, in connecting with Kamayu unknowingly of what was to come. And I found that on this journey, that has been the process that has aided in my healing and healing, not as something that is a final place, but something that is changing and ongoing. It has been that place that I come to when something does not sit well with me. If there is any type of dissonance or confusion, it just doesn't rest. Whatever I'm experiencing, because I found on this journey, you have to, well, at least for me, I have had to define it for myself. I have had to, I have the connection with Kamayu. And I learned in the beginning, a lot of people were trying to tell me how to do it. And they hadn't had the lived experience of uh, losing a child. And I was finding that their suggestions weren't fitting with me, although they were well-intentioned. I had to figure out for myself as her mother what that was and how to do it. And I'm so grateful that I was already in that practice of writing because that became my avenue to do so. Yeah, for I mean, to echo what Felicia said, I mean, I definitely feel the healing is definitely not a destination. It, it's still very much like an active part of my day, um, every day, sometimes more so than other days, um, but I, I'm still kind of moving through it. I mean, for me, I think the biggest part has been community. I mean, I continue to write. I continue to write to Josiah just as I had when I was pregnant with him. So that helps me feel connected to him. Mm -hmm. Um, But for me, I think the biggest part of my, of any sort of light or hope has been having the community, having like you, Cody, who I love and adore and just like, just really appreciate like you and so many of my other girlfriends just really showing up and showing out. So like what Cody didn't say was she flew across the country with those twins and they were all <laughs> like three months and she came right after Josiah's service and like packed his belongings up for me, you know? Wow. And 
I can barely travel with one child, <laughs> you know, let alone like twins that are like, you know, fresh out the womb almost. So those, that kind of love, that kind of support that showed up for me, like immediately um, up until now, that's been very consistent. That has really helped me get through a lot of my days. Y'all, my child is going off. Um, um, but yeah, to, to go back to what I was saying, I mean, to me, like community is, I, yeah. I kept thinking like, when I had this experience, I'm, you know, I immediately thought about people that, you know, don't have community and how important community is. And, um, and, and more so even when, you know, as I've, and I watched Felicia and Kariga's episode and, you know, I've listened to some of your uh, podcast episodes and just admiring how evolved the both of you are um, individually and as a couple. I know <laughs> me and my husband, we're not all the way there <laughs> yet. Like I, I'm, we're trying to get there, like, you know, but I really admire how evolved, and, you know, you are. And I, and I think about like, not just traumas with losing a child, but any trauma, any um, hardship that you, you experience in life, it's kind of like it meets you where you are. Like, and not to say it's harder or easier for anyone that's more spiritually evolved or not, but I'm just saying like, you know, to be evolved spiritually and have a strong foundation of faith and so on and so forth, it helps, right? So if you don't have that, then the next best thing is community to have people that show up for you. And if you don't have either one of those things, then, you know, I do find that it, it probably could be a really hopeless situation. So to answer the question, I do think I'd, I'd go back to um, community has been very, very, very important for me. Thinking about, um, you know, the statistics or what people say, I don't always know the numbers of whether it's just some wives' tales, but this around, um, you know, how hard it can be on a, on a marriage, on a relationship to experience loss, specifically of a child. What things would you say were the greatest challenges for you and your husband and how have you address them. And really from like a, I want to hear your personal experiences, but like from a resource standpoint, right? I would, I want, this is how I felt right in 2019 was like, I want to make sure Portia and Terry feel supported. Right. So like thinking of it, like, you know, trying to give voice to, to others who may need to hear the reality that X, Y, or Z y'all weren't seeing eye to eye on. And then how you got back there. Hmm. I have to reflect on that one, Cody, as in regards to challenges. Yeah, I have to reflect on it. Um, it's hard to even, because, you know, with grief, yeah, things are not linear. Yeah. And even my memory still, mm -hmm. around that time, some things yeah. are more present in my mind than others. Yeah. And... I may not have held a challenge the way that Kariga might have held one. I, I can't even really think of one between us, more so us together trying to figure out how are we going to how are we going to be Kamayu's parents insofar as I don't want to have to go back to the outside world where, you know, they said she's not here, so 
she wasn't here and I don't have my leave. You know what I mean? Like those were some of the challenges that I can more so pinpoint is how can we create enough time for us to just be Mm -hmm. with what just happened. And I Mm -hmm. recognize that that is a luxury that a lot of other couples do not have where one has to go back to work. um, And in that, right, it takes you away from what is present. And I think what happens is those other things, it's not that they become important, but at least for me and my, in my experience, I've been able to keep present everything that I'm feeling and been able to lean into that so that I can have this ongoing of healing, if you will. Yeah. And I have a friends, close friends who lost their son in June of 2019. And that has been, this was a, a child who he was, I believe two or three years old. And they have had a difficult time with, well, one, not being able to just be with what just happened. The mother actually has older children and she still has to be the caretaker for them. Right. And right. she's also a pastor. So she's the caretaker of a church. Mm-hmm. And she's also ha- has a really high rank in a college. And so she's leading students. And I remember her coming to me and I was actually coming to her to to kind of learn more about what her experience has been like. And I learned that she actually hadn't had time to process. And she shared everything with me. And that was her opportunity. Wow. And I was just like, wow, as the mother, you haven't had this chance. And it created, I think, a, a challenge within their marriage because yeah. the husband is like, you don't care. But it wasn't that she doesn't care. She was holding everything else. And so... Trying to keep moving yeah. for all these other people. Yeah. 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 I, I grieve also for those mothers who have to be a caretaker mm-hmm. for other children and for other parts mm-hmm. of their lives. Mm-hmm. They don't have mm-hmm. that luxury. Sorry, I didn't mean to yeah. No, no. <laughs> I think what I'm hearing is, A, um, to allow yourself to create space for you to grieve and that so many people don't have that, but it is an important thing to recognize. Cause that's the other thing mm-hmm. is like, we don't even recognize sometimes what we're missing. We're just going through life, you know, and we're, mm-hmm. we're sad or we're hurt or we're, but we feel like we have to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. But what we really have to do is, is be aware of the importance of, what you have experienced, what you are experiencing and not ignoring it. Yeah. Not letting, it's okay, Phoenix. It's okay. (laughs) Not, not letting um, everything else take precedent, even if it's your livelihood, it's your whatever. I was just going to say that, right? When it's measured against your hierarchy of needs. And right now, like we need to eat, which means I need to work, which means I don't have time to sit with this. That that's what it becomes. Yeah. And I think, especially within the black community, we may not have that luxury, you know? Um, it's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I, I mean, for sure, in terms of, I mean, I will be completely transparent. We, we definitely, 
I mean, to your point, Cody, I, I remember when Josiah first passed, I felt like I heard a thousand times like, oh, marriages don't survive this. You guys aren't going to mm-hmm. survive this marriages. I And they, all these statistics about like how many marriage, how many people get divorced after they lose a child. And it was like intense and I didn't get it at first, but as time went on and we were both grieving and in different places with our grief. And as I mentioned earlier, you're in different places, period, with your evolution as a human being in terms of your mental health or um, what have you. I, I think that it can be a challenge trying to move through the grief. And to Felicia's point, just, you know, having the privilege, for lack of a better word, to because I still, to be transparent, have not returned to work. And you know, I I recognize that, you know, I have had this privilege to sit with my feelings and be, and I, and I didn't have another child to take care of for a while. You know, I I could just lay in the bed for days or weeks if I wanted to, I didn't have to. And then we had family that we um, stayed with for some time. So we didn't have the burden of like bills and, you know, Terry had took, I think six months off and then he went back to work, but it has for sure been a struggle just because so we're individuals that are in different places. So one person might wake up one day and be in an okay space and the other mm-hmm. person's really down. And it's hard to move through your day being okay when your spouse is not in a good space. Mm-hmm. So, and we would almost never be in the same space at the same time. So it was never that we both were struggling or we both were in okay spaces at the same time that was very challenging. Um, I will say Terry was very proactive from the beginning. Like he got us into therapy. He got us into um, Compassionate Friends as a national Mm -hmm. um, organization that supports parents that have lost children. So, I mean, it was like week two, we were in there. And similar to Felicia, we unfortunately had a um, couple that we're friends with. Their daughter passed. Well, we were at her service like the week before Josiah had passed. So we had very close friends that we could talk to. Um, but everyone's situation is different. Yeah. And I will say that, I mean, to me, this whole experience has taught me the importance of like mental health, taking care of yourself. All of those things are very important because it just makes it so much more difficult when you're hit with, you know, and a challenging or traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One thing that I feel like was, as I mentioned, when, when Josiah passed, I felt like every, like life is unfair. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I felt, a, I felt a lot of guilt with two newborns. It's weird saying it and saying it to you guys, but I feel like this is a, a safe space and y'all know my heart. And, and I think that what I learned from you both talking to you both was the importance of being grateful for every moment, you know, every second, mm-hmm. every moment. And, and that has honestly transformed so much for me as a mom, like, honestly, you know, spoiler alert, I've decided, I've decided this a while back, but my next tattoo is going to say gratitude. I always decide on my tattoos way before getting them. (laughs) Um, But this one's happening. (laughs) (laughs) That's been a word that has been sitting with me 
probably since late 2019, learning from Portia and, and then meeting you, Felicia, but just recognizing, just, just trying to live in that. Mm. But with that, I, I, I know I got into this um, uncomfortable space that I want to ask you guys about, which is like, I got to figure out how to word this because I think I've only said it out loud one other time. I was dealing with this like fear and I would take the fear and be like, okay, just be grateful. Just be grateful. Don't worry about what could happen. Just be grateful. And I feel like as moms, that's probably pretty normal, but also you both now have, you know, wonderful new babies. And I wonder for you, how do you navigate knowing loss, knowing the gift that you have um, by, you know, as, as being moms, like it's a gift to be a mother at any stage and in any way that we can be. So how do you, if at all, if you think about this at all, how do you navigate those feelings of what if and gratitude for what is? Ooh. Mm-hmm. I hope I, I hope I said that well. <laughs> what if and gratitude, how do I navigate the what if and gratitude for what is? It is a reframing for me. Mm-hmm. I've had mm-hmm. to reframe gratitude. Mm-hmm. And that is an ongoing process, yeah. right? Uh, I learned that it's a part of my grief. It's just the reframing of it. And it took me a while to understand this. And I have to admit that Korea helped me figure this part out because I would be very upset with, I'm obviously right. I'm I'm upset with what happened. Just even Korea and I were talking the other day. What was this? Actually yesterday, trying to figure out how we were going to keep Kamayu present and, and celebrate her. We have so many different things that are happening right now. Mm-hmm. And really and truly, I fi- as I'm navigating this and trying to figure out how to do this, how to keep her present, how to celebrate her, I get angry mm-hmm. with the fact that I have to do it this way. Right, right. So the anger still shows up, right? But in those moments, there is a reframe that... Right now, I am able to be present enough to figure out how to do this. I'm able to be present enough to acknowledge my anger, be okay with my anger, and still find ways to celebrate her. And that that hasn't been that hasn't been easy. But I I it's I guess it's again, it's the reframe that I'm able to do it, you know? Yeah. I, I wish I could even articulate it better for you. <laughs> I obviously look at Kamali and I am reminded of the moments that I didn't have. And in thinking of it now, as I'm processing with you, I have a, I have something that I wrote to Kamayu around this thought process. If I could share, let me find it. But it, it is, one of those moments where at 3 a.m. you're doing one of those feedings, right? And you're you're tired, you're exhausted, that you have to be up again for the second time, 3 a.m. And <laughs> in that moment, I'm recognizing that 
I'm not, I didn't have this moment with Kamayu and in the room, in Kamali and Kamayu's room, right? Both of their things are there. I had to figure out how I was going to keep Kamayu present in this space. And I was up and I wrote, how is it that I could hold your sister and feel my arms still ache for you? I sit here in gratitude and realized I never thank God for you. Though not like I imagined or dreamed, my love for you is so massive. It expands beyond how this world sees you. And that certainly deserves the highest of praise because my heart eternally holds you. You are never separate from me. You will never leave me. And I know that more certainly than I ever have before. You are my firstborn and our love is so massive. It must be worthy of giving thanks. How unlikely that seems, but it's actually what makes the most sense to me. For a God that would send you to me is absolutely worthy. Because the truth is, I would rather shed tears every day than to never have seen. I would rather love you forever than to never have known you. God, I thank you for my most beautiful baby once held that I forever will hold in my heart. I thank you for my Kamali and my Kamayu soul. That's beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you for letting me share that. Like I said, writing has been my process. Sometimes it doesn't get shared with the world Mm -hmm. or with anyone else. I'll maybe read it to Korea, but... I think that is the clearest way I can articulate the gratitude and the grief. Yeah. Um, uh, thank you for sharing it. And I admire you so much for, for writing. Like I know how therapeutic it can be, how like important, frankly, it's important to get our thoughts and our feelings out, you know, mm-hmm. whatever happens next happens next. And I think for me, sometimes I I'm scared. I'm mm-hmm. scared to say the things I don't, yeah. I get that too. I get that too. And I, I, I've shared that with Kariga and recognizing like what's fear when you can't change anything, right? Like I never expected to lose my firstborn. It's a whole reframe. It's the reframe. That's Kariga. I always talk about it. It's the (laughs) reframe. And I think hearing from you that gratitude is like, like healing is not a destination. Mm-hmm. <laughs> gratitude is like, we, I'm, I'm grateful to, to spend a moment being grateful, even if that moment went away real quick and now I'm something else. Mm-hmm. I can, I know how to get back to it. Mm-hmm. I know that it exists. I know that, you know, like mm-hmm. that's, that's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And I think even offering that it, it does coexist with it. It's complicated. It's messy. It's not, mm-hmm. as we know, grief isn't linear and, and it's not, it's, it's multidimensional. So yeah, it, I can be grateful and still be angry or grateful and have some hurt mm-hmm. or pain or sadness or joy or rage or like it can all exist at the same time. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be this, um, I don't know, idealistic, mm-hmm. I guess, approach to it. When I think about the what if in the in the gratitude of like what is, I know in the beginning I was very focused on gratitude because I remember the day. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to go too deep into like the details of that day, but my child. Um, I remember the day that Josiah passed. It was 
wild because there was this, uh, I, I experienced this wave of gratitude that came over me when I was at the hospital and it was bizarre. It was a, an out of body experience because I remember thinking like, my child is gone. Like what is happening? Mm-hmm. Um, and all I could think of, it was clearly God or some sort of spiritual reminder of like, I was just grateful for my time with him, the way I spent my time with him, his life, and even just everything that, like I did the best that I could and, and I knew that, like, you know what I mean? So I was grateful for all of that. And at the time when Josiah was here and even when he passed, I wasn't really thinking about any what ifs. I wasn't thinking, you know, I was so present with him. I never really thought about like, oh, when he gets married or when he starts walking, I just really focused in on the moment. And then in the first few months when he passed, people would ask me like, well, I remember when you came to see me, Cody, the twins, she had twins in another room. And I'm like, girl, where the baby's at? And she's like, I don't want to trigger you. And I was not ever triggered by my friend's kids. I was always, it was always very like, I just, I lost, you know, Josiah had transitioned, but no other kids were triggering in that way to me regarding that loss because it was so Mm -hmm. separate to me. But now as time has gone on, when I do see my kids, my friend's children who I, who I was pregnant with, and they're now, Josiah would have been three, and I see their kids walking around, they're talking, they're on scooters, and I do think now, like, wow. And my everyday existence, even with Phoenix, Phoenix would not be Phoenix without Josiah, like, transitioning. Like, Phoenix, I would not have named him Phoenix, <laughs> you know? Um, I don't know that we would have you know, relocated and been in Philadelphia, I feel like every, it was like a domino effect. So much of Josiah's transition has informed our lives in every moment. I mean, even Phoenix being born when he was born, like everything. And and I think about Phoenix's personality a lot, like how would it have changed or evolved or been different if Josiah was still here, you know? But then at the same time, being grateful that, okay, I have Phoenix here. You guys can hear him. He is very vocal and he wants to be a part of this podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in here, y'all. Um, podcast debut. <laughs> but being grateful for, you know, uh, if, I, if I'm to quote from the school, the University of Oprah, like, you know, sometimes when you have nothing or you feel like you have nothing to be grateful for, just come back to your breath, come back to your heart. The fact that your heart beats like, you know, so many times a day and your lungs are expanding to give you breath. You know, there's always something to be grateful for. even in our. Sh- Excuse me, Felix. Sorry, y'all. Even in our most challenging moments. So that that's what I'm realizing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hope that answers your question. <laughs> it, it does. And it's really helpful. And it's also a reminder to me. I mentioned that the, the notion of gratitude probably stemmed a lot from that time for me um, in 2019. But even the things that you're saying, like we've talked about this, like I, I for sure, this comes directly from you, <laughs> um, you know, and, 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 and I needed to hear it 
then, and I love the, the, the evolving perspective, at least evolving for me, because I think it's now fact that gratitude is messy. Gratitude is not a destination. Gratitude is not the image in my head of someone sitting, you know, cross-legged uh, in, you know, Zen or whatever, like mm-hmm. gratitude is whatever it is in that moment. And, mm-hmm. and, and it feels good for however long it feels good to, to be appreciative and just be present. But um, yeah, so I appreciate that. So I want to, um, first off, honor you guys just by saying that you've taught me so much. I know I say that over and over and over again, but you have. Like, I, I'm, I love my friends and I want to be able to show you love and honor you. And this, you know, the, the losses that you experienced left me and I'm sure many others in your lives. Uh, Felicia, you talk about the explosion effect of the people around you but not just the way that they experience your loss but the way that we want to show up for you and don't usually don't have a clue Mm -hmm. and so y'all tell me if this is you know right but one of the things that I've learned is that I want to give you all the space time and opportunity to talk about your children (laughs) I think that that's important based on the conversations that we've had and to honor your children by appreciating and, and sharing mine. That's something that I learned, you know, from Portia. Cause I definitely was like, I don't, you know, I, I didn't want anything I did to be uncomfortable for you. Okay. And so I, I think that that's something that um, folks fear and it's like, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. And especially grief is just love with, with no place to go. Mm. I probably say that once a month. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So Mm. I'm grateful for those lessons from you guys. And I have a couple of questions and then we can, uh, we can all go, well, y'all can go watch your children and I can go pick mine up. (laughs) Um, So right now in this season and, or on this day, what brings you the most joy? On this day, I would have to say what brings me the most joy is that there is room and space still being made for me to talk about Kamayu and for me to be recognized as her mother. It is the only thing that I wanted. That was the only thing that I remember writing that. Maybe like on the 10th of October, I think I wrote that. I don't want to have to be rushed back into a world that says I have to do these things to make this living and and be this type of person. No, I want to be, I want people to see me and to know that I am Kamayu's mother and that her story is still being told and I'm still able to have these conversations about what the experience has been like brings me the most joy man because she's still like she's still present with me and not in a way like oh she's present like I'm keeping her present no like in real time you know <laughs> like I talk about the loss so that I can talk about the love it would be a greater tragedy if I never brought it back up so that brings me the most the most joy right now in this moment <laughs> I love that. 
thank you for asking, Cody. Like, thank you for telling the story. Thank you for making room for us. Like I'm meeting Portia for the first time, but it was because of her and her son, Josiah, that you have made room for me and Kamayu. And it's not just us, right? There is going to be a reciprocal effect. There are going to be more mothers who have had an experience like this looking to share their story or to hear from someone who has experienced it to understand and connect, right? Because belongingness is so important. That's the tricky thing about this type of grief. I know, Portia, you said that when you lost your side, just what was it like a week before you had friends who had also lost the child. And in those moments, it's very few. It's like, a, even though you know that this happens, it seems like when it's happening to you, you're looking around and you're not seeing anyone else have this experience, right? And none of the experiences are the same, but it matters so much to be able to connect and to feel like you belong somewhere. It's like a basic human need, in fact, to have that because it informs how you how you move, like what you believe it is that you can do and, and how you feel, right? So Cody, you're doing such amazing work for mothers and families who are trying to navigate this in their own pace. So thank you for that. Thank you for making room for, for this conversation. Mostly due to you too. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to say, I mean, this conversation is just bringing me joy. Like I'm all for, like, I think I'm a giver. I, I believe you two are givers. And I just think that Cody you don't give yourself enough credit for the platform that you have created. This, as Felicia mentioned, is going to reach so many people. And even since Josiah's passed, I've had so many people contact me and say, well, my cousin mm-hmm. or my sister-in-law or so-and-so lost a child. Do you have any advice or do you have any resources or this, that, and a third? And I think we have to remember, like, I mean, generations ago people didn't talk about this like you know you know folks would lose kids or have miscarriages or whatever and suffer in silence like there were no Mm -hmm. resources there were no podcasts there we didn't have a place to go and specifically black folks black women and I think that the work you're doing Cody with black love as simple as it sounds it's so needed um, just because Black women, I mean, I thought a lot about this even when Josiah passed. I felt, or transition, I felt just like I had been in a boxing match with every heavyweight because it was just not just the transition of my son, but everything, like the police brutality, mm-hmm. the Black maternal health mortality crisis, the statistic Mm -hmm. that Black children under the age of one are twice as likely to die versus, you know, white children under the age of one. So all of these stats that, you know, being educated and being aware of all these things, we're going up against all these these things that are out of our control, this systemic racism, I I suppose you can your frame it and mm-hmm. but still choosing to 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 bring forth children and and to love and to and to experience joy and happiness in this world it's a lot 
mm-hmm. it's a lot. So um, I know I went down a path that <laughs> I'm just kind of, I don't want to ramble, but I think just having this space, a, a space of healing, a, a space for folks to share their stories to Felicia's point, because belonging is so important. Or having folks that we can turn to and say, you know, because it's not, we're, we're all different. It, it's just an option just to see, like, how are they moving through this? How, how, mm-hmm. how, how do, do, am I crazy? Or, you know, how, just providing some language, you know, having the language, the right. language to even express any of this. Because I just think back like generations ago where folks, you don't talk about your business like you think about our right. grandparents or great grandparents yeah. where it's like you keep your business in the house, you know, and, and that's it. So I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful. And this moment definitely brings me joy. Um, as Felicia said, to be able to speak Josiah's name. Um, I think about sometimes when I am so deep in my grief and I'm so sad, I'm so consumed in my grief. Sometimes I feel like my grief is separate from honoring him as a person, mm-hmm. as a spirit so I try to also balance that. Like, you know, I get to speak about Josiah and how his light and how beautiful he was and, and him being a part of my family outside of like the sadness of him not being here. Um, okay. One more question. <laughs> what are you capable of today that you weren't capable of a year ago? Hmm. <sighs> Possibly, but not all the way there, setting boundaries. Mm. You took the words out of my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still struggling with it, but inching my way to boundary setting to keep some peace for myself. I I mean, I just, we can have a whole podcast on boundaries. I think um, since Josiah's transition, boundaries has been my uh, guiding light in terms of mm-hmm. like my mental health. I feel like I still feel so fragile most days. So I do not have the bandwidth most, you know, like that is just, it. I don't have the bandwidth. So boundaries are essential for yeah. me to like survive and um it has been challenging. It is an ongoing process just because people have the best of intentions but tend to say the wrong things. Mm-hmm. Um, and not people as in strangers. I'm talking about people as in family, like immediate family, mm-hmm. parents, mm-hmm. in-laws, whoever. And yes, I am grateful for all the community, all the love, all the support. But with that said, um, boundaries are extremely important just for my mental health. So Mm -hmm. I I think that um, I definitely, you know, over the last year specifically with having, you know, uh, Phoenix is now 15 months, but the combination of moving through my grief and bringing new life into the world and juggling grief, new child, hormones, grief, the pandemic, blah, 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 and all the the things that are happening in the world. Yeah. I needed boundaries just to keep my head on straight. Yeah. And I I guess I can piggyback off of that. And I I certainly agree. I I don't think I have defined it as boundaries, but I have found that 
like you say, Portia, people will say things, family will say things. Oh, and they come from the most well-intentioned place. And it just, it never lands in the well-intentioned pocket. It's just not it. <laughs> and But I found that where maybe I might have once, you know, said, well, they were well-intentioned, not say anything about it and just leave it where it's at. I've found that no, it's better for me to just say my truth. And mm-hmm. when I am able to say my truth, I am well. You know, if I if I leave it where it is for them, I'm not well. And it only works for them. And I recognize that maybe they're just trying to find uh, some kind of comfort. Yeah. Uh, but I have found that, you know what? No, I, I say and honor my truth. And I always do that with love. And I have found that it's exactly what I needed to understand more about this process for me. And I'm grateful I've been able to do that because I found when I do that, especially for family, they are now able to learn more about how to communicate with me about it or, or someone else, right? It, it gives them an opportunity, I think, to also be clear about what to say and how to say it. And how they can show up for you. I mean, if anything, yeah. the boundaries informing them of like, yeah. okay, you love me, you want to support me. Well, this is what it looks like, or this is yeah. not what it looks like. So it's yeah. actually a, a very loving. I think sometimes when folks hear boundaries, it sounds, it has a negative connotation to it. Right. Or it has nasty. It doesn't have to be nasty. Boundaries actually can be loving because the first, I look at boundaries as it's self-love for me because like mm-hmm. I said, I feel so fragile that I'm like, I need these boundaries because otherwise I'm going to lose my mind. So, and then it's loving for myself to have the boundaries, but it's also, I'm showing you love and respect because I'm showing you and telling you how you can show up for me and support me. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. when folks, you know, but it is uncomfortable, especially with family, especially with best friends and close friends and what have you, but it's so important and, and beyond grief. I think it's important in life for everybody. Yeah, Yeah, it is. It really is. Um, I appreciate y'all so much, like so much. Um, (laughs) I love you both deeply and I'm just so grateful for this conversation and all the conversations that we've been able to have and, um, and just everything I've learned from you. Um, and I, I hope this helps somebody touches somebody Sorry, Cody. Go ahead. Yeah. I I just remember it because I looked at the question again. What am I capable of today? Leaning into the process. Sorry. I just want to throw that out there. (laughs) Not being afraid to lean into the process. I have learned that from my grief Mm -hmm. and I apply that everywhere now. Mm -hmm. Whenever I might feel some discomfort across anything, Mm -hmm. I will make room for that. And, And when I say lean into the process, I will make room literally, and, and be okay and find my way. And I've done that through my writing. And that's what, that's what came to mind immediately for me. I was like, that's, that's what I'm not doing. I I get the urge, right? You're not doing what Cody? Leaning into the process. I'm like, Ooh, this is uncomfortable. I'm going to stop. Okay. So I hear you. I hear you. Well, the growth happens when you keep going. I know, I 
Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's been, it's been, I never thought that I would write a book around it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'm so, Kariga has modeled leaning into the process so well after the loss of his brother. Mm-hmm. And I'm so grateful to have that model because he has been one of my greatest encouragers. And I, I never thought that I would write anything around that, but literally it has been since Kamayu was in utero, it has been my process, like lean in and investigate what it is that I'm feeling and being okay with that. And yeah, yeah I'm so grateful for that knowing because now I get to rehearse it. So when I'm faced with it, because it keeps, it comes up, right? Just like how to apply boundaries. I'm able to rehearse that. Yeah. And we won't get it. And right it's all a practice, time. right? Yes. It's a practice. Yeah. It's not, it's not a, it's a practice. We get to continue to practice all of this. Yes. Yep. Yes. All right, y'all. So we, I would love to know how folks can reach out to you. If folks can reach out to you, Portia, I know you are a private person. Um, but you know, your social handle, if you want to share, and then of course, uh, Felicia, tell us, you know, where we can get the book. Yes. So you can follow me at Fifi Moni, no. <laughs> uh, on Instagram. Um, you can follow our soul affirmations podcast on the black love podcast network. Thank you, Cody. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and, you can just, you can even just Google soul affirmations. And I think you will find Kariga's book and my book as well. Kariga Bailey, Felicia Gangloff Bailey. You can find us. <laughs> of the Howard University grad school. Gangloff oh, Bailey. There we go. <laughs> shout out to Howard for giving me my degree. And shout out to Hampton for cultivating who I am. Uh, the prestigious Damn. Hampton University. <laughs> I'm just messing with you, Cody. <laughs> and I'm messing with you. And Portia, mm-hmm. should should folks just find you through me? <laughs> Pretty much. No. I am on Instagram. I am private currently, but um, I'm on Instagram, Portia Danae, P-O-R-S-H-A, D as in David, A-N-A-E at Gmail. Uh, yeah, just, no, Portia Danae. That's it. <laughs> um, I I do want to say, Felicia, I really admire you and your husband's relationship. I I just, I mean, it is something to watch. Um, I was just in awe watching your episode on Black Love and just, I mean, um, I've listened to some of your podcasts as well when I'm in the car and I have time and I just, the gentleness that you both have Mm -hmm. and the respect and the love and I just, I'm in all of it. So um, it's definitely goals, <laughs> marriage <laughs> goals for sure. Of course. Yeah, not that for any sure. of us are, I don't want to, no, I was going to say, not that any of us are perfect. I don't want you to feel like I'm putting you guys up on a pedestal, but it is. I, I think we, we need those examples. And I just think like, like I said, I feel so fragile right now that I feel like when I see the examples of just that gentleness, that grace, that it just, I'm like, ooh. And it, it reminds me like to, to give that grace in my own relationships mm-hmm. to myself mm-hmm. and to my husband as well. So I really appreciate mm-hmm. it. Wow. Thank you. Thank you, Portia, for, for saying that. And I, I'm deeply touched by 
just being able to have such support through Kariga, and I know by how it how it got here. You know, it is not absent of being forged by any fire. But I'm I'm grateful again to you, Cody, for just making room for us, and I'm grateful that it is able to make room for others because the path literally is wide enough for all of us. I appreciate you, ladies. My my friends in real life, and hopefully <laughs> after after listening to this podcast, some folks will say, "Oh, Felicia, Portia, that's my new BFF." <laughs> Um, so um listeners let us know what you loved about today leave us review comments and um make sure you are uh following the podcast 